Hello, and welcome to Fostering Hope. I'm your host, Stephanie Ellison. Everybody has a story. My story, much like many others in our communities, started with devastation, heartbreak, and hopelessness. The greatest thing that I picked up along the way is that there is always hope. My desire is to encourage former and current foster youth, as well as at-risk youth in the big country, in Texas, across our nation and world. I hope to encourage professionals that work with these youth as well. We're going to discuss things like emotional, physical, spiritual, educational, and financial support, personality types, love languages, gratitude, mindset, and community connectivity. So no matter where you came from, what has happened to you, or where you're headed, I hope that I can encourage you along your journey, just as so many have done for me. So let's get started. What are your dreams? If you were to ask me when I was a little girl what my dreams were, I would have told you, I want to be a famous singer, much like Reba McIntyre or Mariah Carey, or Martina McBride, or Celine Dion, all of them. I loved them, and I wanted to sing just like them. I remember when I was just a 10-year-old little girl. One night I had fallen asleep. I had the most amazing dream. I dreamed that I was standing on a big stage with a beautiful sparkly red dress and I was holding a microphone and engaging with a crowd of people who listened as I sang. I don't exactly remember what I sang, but I am sure it had to be something by one of the artists that I mentioned earlier. When I woke up from that dream, I was faced with the bitter reality that I was just a little girl with mousy brown hair, secondhand clothing that was tattered and torn and smelled like musky cigarette smoke. I had a little shy voice that was filled with fear and very little hope that I would ever amount to anything. Now, my reason for sharing my story with you and with all of the youth in our nation, my hope is that this could end up in their hands. But my reason for sharing with you is not to demonize anyone. I do not want to demonize my biological family, but I do want to offer insight and understanding into the lives of people who are suffering. I want to tell you a little bit about my biological parents so that you can understand when I share my story that they were broken people. They made some really bad choices. See, my biological dad was incarcerated when I was young. His mom was murdered when he was three. His dad abandoned him. He experienced death at the age of seven of a best friend. He was abused by caregivers and also loved by some. He was sexually assaulted when he was 12 years old. He had suffered from homelessness and abuse and eventually was incarcerated for sexually assaulting his own children. My biological mother suffered from mental illness, bipolar, borderline personality, and schizophrenia. She was also abused as a child by her own father. She quit school in the eighth grade because she had become pregnant at 15 years old. 
She also struggled with homelessness, hunger, poverty, and she was codependent and had many men in and out of her life because she thought that they would provide happiness. Those relationships only ended in destruction. She abused drugs and alcohol, and she did all of that to cope with her mental illness and abuse. She also was abusive due to her inability to cope with her own struggles. I want you to think about what makes your own house a home. Imagine if your home and everything that gave it that name, like the pencil marks on the walls and the pictures of all of those people that you hold dear, and those smells of freshly baked apple pie or chocolate chip cookies at Christmas gatherings, as everyone gathered around the table to pray and have conversations? Or what about mom curling your hair and dad sitting on the front porch with you, talking about the good old days and helping you with your relationship struggles? Or maybe even dad taking you fishing? What about those bad days ending with hugs and good days keeping you strong? If none of those things had ever existed, Who would you be today? Would you be who you are? If that home that you had known all of your life, now I'm talking to the people who have those things, if that never existed, would you understand that you were missing out on something? You see, home for me growing up consisted of things like an old brown car, a tent, the streets, children's homes, Numerous motels, shelters, the Salvation Army, trailers infested with bugs and rats, some apartment complexes that were government-funded, family members who could take us in for short periods of time, foster homes. A lot of the places, not the good ones, but a lot of the places, were filled with alcoholism, drugs, and abuse. I remember being sexually assaulted by my own dad. I remember my mom bringing men in and out of our lives. Some were okay. Some were druggies. Some were alcoholics. Some were abusive. And some of them were all three. I remember a babysitter who promised me a trip to Six Flags. We were so excited about the trip. I had no clue at the time that he was grooming me. I was around seven years old when he started molesting me. And his tactic in continuing the process was to take away this trip. Now, as you can imagine from the stories that I told you earlier, we didn't exactly have the financial means to make a bunch of trips to Six Flags. So he would tell me that he would take us But he would tell me if I told on him for touching me, he would never take us on the trip. And I didn't want to ruin that for my family. So I kept my mouth shut and I never told. But guess what? He never took us on that trip either. There were many nights that I watched my biological mom struggle with addiction. I remember them waking me up in the middle of the night, yelling and screaming. It was sheer terror. The adults in the room were walking up and down and looking out the windows and 
very, very paranoid that every car that passed by the trailer that we lived in, all of the headlights that would go by were the people that were going to murder us. They would scream, get down, get down. And eventually we would move out to the back field only to be bitten by bugs. All of the scary sounds, everything, were people that were going to murder us. And I was just a child. I was with the people who were supposed to protect us, protect me, so I believed them. I remember my mom plucking all of the eyebrows and eyelashes out of her face. They would pick at their skin until they bled. There were times that they would stay up for days and they would sleep for days. And at the age of 10, I would get up and get myself ready for school. I would get dressed. I would check on everyone to make sure that they were still breathing. And I would go to school so that I could eat a meal, breakfast and lunch, two meals, go to music class, and get an education. I absolutely loved school and can honestly say it was one of the saving graces in my life. Now, I definitely experienced my fair share of bullying. I was, as you can imagine, a wonderful target for bullying. The welfare system was pretty humiliating, especially back when I was in school, and I don't know if they still do this, but when you were on free lunches because you were living in poverty, you had to go to one line, and if you had, or you had to kind of be recognized as the kid with free lunch. I don't know. I can't quite remember how it happened, but everybody knew that we were the poor kids, and I definitely got made fun of and didn't have cool clothing and all of those luxuries that a lot of kids have now. And we lived on the welfare system, and it definitely was a humiliating time when you're going through all of the normal teenage process of hormones and struggles and feeling like everybody's staring at you and, you know, never feeling pretty. And I had crooked teeth and just, I I feel like all of the odds were stacked against me, (laughs) which I think a lot of teenagers feel that way. So as I've grown older, I realize that there are a lot of teenagers that feel that same way, no matter where they come from. But I didn't know that back then. Fast forward to when I was 15, we lived in a government-funded apartment in Cleburne, Texas. We were on the second story of this apartment, and one day when I walked in, my biological mom, this was the very last day that she abused me. She was very, very angry. I still don't know why. Probably because I was a teenager and I I may have smart-mouthed her. I don't know. She strangled me in a chair, started punching and kicking me and telling me that I didn't deserve to live. She tried to throw me off of the second story balcony, and I was holding on to the side of the apartment rail for dear life. She threw me on a bed and told me that I needed to think about why I deserve to live. And I laid there that night, and I did. I thought about it. I got up to go to the restroom and I sat on the floor in the restroom holding a razor blade to my wrist, crying, thinking that all I wanted to do was die. I did not want to live. Something in me couldn't do it. 
there was that still small voice in me that said, I'm not finished. So I got up and I went to the bedroom and I laid down and I'm sure I fell asleep. But the next day, I walked into my mother's room in that apartment and she had a needle in her arm and she had a friend there. I don't know who this friend was. I don't remember ever meeting her, but she had a needle in her toe and they were sitting there getting high. And I looked at my birth mother and I said, I'm leaving today and I'm not coming back. That's a promise and I'm not going to break my promise. And I thought at that point in my life, I can do better than this. I don't know why. I didn't believe in myself at all. But there was a part of me that just said, there's got to be more to life than this. And I was finally fed up. So I left. Now, to all of the youth that might listen to this story, I want you to know that I didn't just go get into street trouble. I didn't go do drugs and drink and do all of that stuff. I went and I sought work and I sought a good adult. And I said, I want a better life. And when I was 15 years old, I went to an attorney and I sought emancipation. And by the time I was 16 years old, that judge granted my emancipation. And I remember when I walked into that courtroom that day. To be honest with you, they had summoned my mom. And to be honest with you, I had hoped that there was a part of her that would want to change enough to fight for me and to really change her life because I loved my mom. But she was so weak and she did not make the choice to change. She didn't seek out counseling and drug treatment and more counseling. She didn't get the help that she needed. So I stood before a judge that day with a friend and I became an emancipated adult. And I was really proud of myself because at that point in my life, I had a job. I purchased a $1,500 trailer, moved it into a trailer park. I got a $500 car that got me from A to B and halfway to C. (laughs) And I went to school. I didn't move in with some guy. I didn't go get pregnant. Not that your life is over if you end up doing those things. I just want you to know that you don't have to do that. I worked three jobs. I went to high school. You know what? The pain didn't stop. The war didn't stop. The emotional trauma didn't stop. The abuse actually didn't stop. At the age of 16, I was raped. And by 16, when you've gone through emotional trauma, You've been physically abused. You've been sexually abused. Oftentimes, it's easy to lose hope. I would lay in bed at night and feel absolutely hopeless. Just as I'm sure many youth out in our communities feel absolutely hopeless. Sorry. Nothing in my life made sense. The odd thing is, I wanted to be successful. I gave it my all. I went to school. I was not in the top half of my class. 
Listen to me. You do not have to be in the top of your class to show up to work hard. Those C's that you're making, even though you're barely sleeping, you're doing it. You're making it. You don't have to make all A's. It's okay. It's okay to be in the bottom half of your class. You can still succeed. This is part of my message to these kids. I was a good student, but I was not in the top half of my class. I was nice, but I wasn't in the top half of my class. I oftentimes have a lot of people ask me, how did I get to where I am today? Now, for those of you that don't know me, who I am is not defined by the accomplishments in life. I'm an overcomer. I will tell you, though, that I have graduated. I graduated from high school. I graduated from college. And I even have a master's degree. I'm a wife, a mom, a small business owner, an advocate, and a motivational speaker. My goal in life is to encourage all of the crazy, messed up, beautiful, broken kids who are just trying to figure out if they can make it one more day. And I don't even know that it necessarily means you have to have a life like mine. I've listened to stories that were far worse than mine. And I've learned to be grateful because my life could have been worse. And let me just tell you, succeeding in life and success is subjective. But succeeding in life doesn't mean that you have it all together. I promise you, I do not have it all together. But what I do have, I want to offer as a voice of hope to those who are suffering in silence. One of the things that I've learned is that my trauma had manifested itself into fear. I definitely struggled with anger and depression and anxiety and perfection and trust issues and unworthiness. Most of the struggles that I suffered, I did it in silence because I didn't want people to think that I was crazy. I know that I am not the only one who has struggled with that. And that is why I do this. That is why my desire is to share my story. But listen to me. I could not have succeeded in any of the accomplishments that I've made without the true heroes who have come into my life for seasons, reasons, and lifetimes. For all of the police officers and child protective services and nurses and emergency responders and doctors and firefighters and school secretaries and school counselors and nosy neighbors and business owners and teachers and shelters and health and human services and Texas Workforce Commission and community volunteers and church leaders and investigators, all of them played a part in helping me beat the odds. You know, I remember this third grade teacher that I had. Her name is Miss Russell. She was the best teacher ever. I loved her so much. I had so many great teachers, by the way. She was just the greatest start. And third grade was one of the years where I think I started realizing that I was a little different. And she she noticed that I was insecure, I think. I don't know. I just remembered her letting me smell good by letting me spray her smelly good stuff 
on my clothing, my musky cigarette smoke daily smell. (laughs) She would let me spray on that good spray. She also would brush my hair and she would give me classroom responsibilities. She would encourage literacy by reading Hank the Cowdog books to us with crazy accents. And that is what made me love education. And also my sophomore English teacher, she offered tangible help in a major crisis for me. I had money in my purse from when I was working because this was a point in time where I was living on my own. And I had my rent money in my purse. And somebody stole it in gym class. And I was supposed to go that day to go pay my rent with this tip money that I made from working at IHOP. And someone stole it. And I remember I was sitting in her class and I reached down for a pin out of my bag and I noticed that my wallet was open and my money was gone and I just started panicking. And Miss Cashel, I ran out of the class and sat in the the floor outside of her room and I was just, my hands were covering my face and I was crying. I was so afraid that if I didn't pay the rent for my trailer, I would become homeless. Miss Cashel said, God's got this. He's going to take care of you, kiddo. She always treated me like I was one of her kids, which she did to all of her kids, I know. But man, she sure did make me feel loved. She passed around an envelope. And at the end of the day, she brought this envelope to me and it had over $500 in it. She told me that God loved me. I didn't believe in God. She told me that I would be okay. Or Greg Solomon. Greg was awesome. When I was 14 years old, he allowed me to get a job as a junior chamber secretary, which was probably a made-up position at the Chamber of Commerce. He wanted to help an at-risk youth, and he gave me a chance to learn some very valuable skills through a job that was provided through the Texas Workforce Commission. I had a nosy neighbor named Lynn. She was a cashier and store clerk at the gas station down the road from the trailer that we lived in. She would give me and my brother free burritos when we would walk up to the store and look in the little casing, and and we were just hungry. We had no money, and she would give us a free burrito. She also would report my biological family to CPS so that they could look into our situation and help us and help provide services. The final time that my mother abused me, she was the person that I called. And oh, how grateful I am for her. I also remember the school resource officer, Officer Stringer. He was so amazing to write a recommendation letter for me to get into college. Even though my GPA was low and my SAT scores were less than impressive is kind of how we say it. My SAT scores were less than impressive. He helped me by writing a letter of recommendation. And so did my English teacher and the amazing people. I also would not be where I am today without the help of a few pretty amazing people who I now have the privilege of calling mom and dad and sisters. One of my jobs that I worked when I was in high school, I had the honor of meeting this girl named Andrea. She was incredible. She was everything that I was not. She was a high school cheerleader. I was the little girl that dyed my hair black and had piercings. (laughs) She was the incredible, bubbly, beautiful family, amazing group of friends, 
just an incredible girl. And she befriended me and invited me to church. And I ended up going to church with her and I met her family. And her family, long story short, they invited me over for dinner and asked me to live with them because they couldn't stand the thought that I was living on my own. And they took me in. And for that brief period in my life, they encouraged me that I needed to go to college, that I pretty much had to go to college. I didn't really have a choice. (laughs) They knew that that was the thing that would kind of help me take one step forward in this next chapter of my life. And they encouraged me and challenged me to believe in myself, even though I didn't find out what a GPA was until my sophomore, no, I'm sorry, my junior year, almost my senior year. And I didn't have a lot of time to bring that up and to work on it, but they encouraged me through helping me through summer school and helping me get my life on a track and just something, some direction, some guidance. And I'm so thankful for them. And now I I do. I have the honor of calling them mom and dad. And I chose to do that. And I that's another part of my message. Kids, if you're out there listening to my story, you can choose who your family is. And you can't choose who you're born into, but you can choose who you call family. Every single year, I had the opportunity to get better. I had people who planted seeds of hope in my life. They taught me to go above and beyond and to believe in who I could be. I wish that I could give every single person who has helped me along the way a big hug. And sometimes I feel like moving forward in a positive direction is my big hug to them. It's really, really important to me to share my story. I was the first in my biological family to graduate from high school. And I was in the 1% category to graduate with a master's degree. I'm a mom and a wife. I'm a small business owner. I'm a volunteer. I speak for foster youth all across our nation. I want these children to experience a paradigm shift in their mentality. The way children view the world is the way that they have been taught. And it's my job now to teach them. Because somebody must teach them. Somebody must help them to learn to be patient, to be gentle, to be humble, to be loving, to be confident, to be kind. We have to encourage them to dream past the mess, to believe in themselves and to overcome. It's not enough for me to just exist. I'm not here just to get a job and work and make money. I'm here for this brief moment in time to make a difference. I'm here to teach these beautifully broken little human heartbeats that there is a purpose for their lives. I don't care how rebellious they get or how disrespectful they get or how unable they are to process their emotions and feelings in a mature manner. I don't care. All I care about is helping them understand that they can be safe. They can change the trajectory of their life. I'm here to paint a picture of a brighter future for those who have suffered. In the middle of my darkest hours, people taught me how to dream when my hopeless mind was crying out for peace. Guys, I was so bitter, forgotten, 
hidden, and robbed of all of my joy. I felt defenseless, unwanted. All of those strongholds, they shackled my soul. And I know that we have youth out there that feel the same way. And our job is to remind them who they are. Our job is to help them to stand. Our job is to help them to see that there is a sweet side to this bitter life that they are living. Although my old life was broken, there were people there to help me believe that I belonged. They were relentless. They were so kind. They revealed to me that I had a home. They showed me who I was. They taught me how to stand. And they taught me that there was good in this world. And that, my friends, is why I believe that it is so important for me to share my journey. Thank you so much for listening today. If you could share it with someone who might need to hear it, subscribe to this podcast so that you can hear ways of overcoming because that's what I'm going to be sharing. I want to share how to overcome some of life's greatest challenges. Thank you for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. Find someone to encourage and know that you are loved.